0: Hey guys, G Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Bullpen Cart. Just a solo pod this week as I was traveling. It was a little tough to get everybody's schedules together. I, of course, talk baseball, hot teams, cold teams, player awards, stadium snacks, bleacher creatures. Even had a fan submitted stadium snack. Starting to get some feedback. But as always, please like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Send us any ideas you have, any bleacher creatures, stadium snacks, anything else you might want us to talk about. I also get into little golf, little playoffs. So if you do have any suggestions, please send them over, but enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the bullpen cart, the Thunderblogs sports podcast i of course am jordy cannell the g-man doing a solo pod again this week mainly because i'm traveling i'm in chicago and uh because i didn't know what my schedule was going to be like today i didn't want to have either matt or greg on call that thought that would have been would have been too tough to try to plan so recording this in between events while i got some downtime uh looking over a pretty cool golf course which uh I don't know. I've never played the course before. Best way I could probably describe it: it looks like it is on top. It's on top of this mound that's across this grassy area from my hotel room. Uh, I can see this one par three. It looks like it lives up to Chicago's nickname, and it's incredibly windy. Uh, there are no trees, so I'd imagine it's probably a Lynx course. But that's my my best way to try to get a a, a visual image of this course if I ever do get to play it. I've, uh, I'll try to uh, give you guys a review of it, but yeah, like I said, solo pod, so probably a quicker one, uh, but always appreciate you guys listening and love the support. If you do uh, have any feedback, let us know. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, but let's get right into it. This week in baseball has been interesting, to say the least. The big news, of course, that came out yesterday was Matt Harvey's suspension, He's uh, suspended for I think three days without pay, and there there aren't really a ton of details. It it sounds like it was a it built up because of multiple violations of the team rule book. Uh, just a weird weird note on an already weird season for the Mets. They of course lost Noah Syndergaard, so it almost adds insult to injury. Literally there, um, Noah Syndergaard for, uh, was ruled out for. Uh, four months after uh his shelling last sunday and that wonderful bleacher creature we talked about who uh <laughs> if you still haven't gone and seen that video it's pretty hysterical but the mets have had a had a weird week they've, they're actually picking it up and they're they've won a few games in a row i believe their their numbers up to four but it's it'll be interesting to see how they go at it's hard to see them really making a move in the in the National League, especially with how well the the Nationals are playing, and we'll get to them in a second. But it's, it's just an unfortunate series of events for the Mets, and they're almost getting into New York Knicks territory. For those of you that, that follow the NBA, you, you get what I'm talking about. Not as big of a, of a dumpster fire as what's been going on at Madison Square Garden, but it's been interesting to say the least for the Mets but let's get right into hot and cold teams my hottest team of the week once again is the Washington Nationals the Nats are one of the hotter teams in the league winning seven of their last 10 games four in a row they're one of the only teams in the league with 20 wins them and the Houston Astros who would be another good good pick there uh but the Nats are are getting it done on all facets their their pitching's looking great their bats are looking sharp and it's it's one of those where this is finally their time it, i mean hopefully they're not like the washington capitals where they become a great regular season team and, and just fall apart in the playoffs but they're doing they're doing great they're plus 54 run differential which is better than you know a lot of teams can say and they're winning on the road which i think is Something that, in a world of advanced data, isn't necessarily the the best barometer, but the fact that you're 12 and three on the road and four and six at home says that you're coming along a lot faster than the other teams are. And what I mean by that is, they're probably the team chemistry is probably pretty high, the team morale is pretty high. They uh, have that great run. In Washington, or in, excuse me, they are Washington. They had the great run in Colorado last week. They've been in Philly this weekend, two uh, thrashings of the Phillies Friday and Saturday night. They are they're currently winning one nothing. I'm recording this in the middle of the afternoon. It's the fourth inning, uh, but the Phillies have two runners on base. But we'll we'll get to the Phillies in a little bit. The Nationals are my hot team. My cold team is the Miami Marlins, whom along with the Phillies have lost eight of their last 10 games. What was thinking about maybe giving it to the Phillies, but I talk about them anyway. So saving that for, for later in the episode, but the Marlins are in a predicament right now. They did actually just win seven, nothing against the Mets. So that that Mets winning streak got snapped in the Marlins uh, have now edged ahead of the Phillies, but they're still pretty cold. Nonetheless, um, you know, they're, Getting their bats going, which is great. They have they've scored 135 runs, but that pitching isn't there. And Greg said this in the NL East podcast: of they they don't really have a ton of pitching outside of Jose Fernandez. They have unfortunately lost, but they still they don't really have a lot else, and they're not doing very well. So I think uh, I think Greg's predicament, not predicament. I think Greg's prediction was more accurate than myself or Stevie G would have thought. And that's going to be my cold team of the week, the Miami Marlins. Of course, did win today. That uh, came across as I started started <laughs> recording this episode. But nonetheless, like I said, they, uh, they need to get that pitching in order. But let's move on to some player awards. We're going to start with the Roy Hobbs MVP of the week, which... For those of you that are new to the program, i name my player awards after characters from movies, Roy Hobbs being the main character in The Natural. And I'm going to give it to a guy from the, uh, the hottest team in the league, at least in my eyes. Could be a number of different, uh, different players, not named Bryce Harper. But I'm going to give it to Ryan Zimmerman, who, batting over 500 in the last week, as is his buddy Anthony Rendon, who's just having a great, great season, but Zimmerman is batting 520, two homers, seven RBIs, and he's only struck out four times in 25 ABs, which is pretty pretty nice and what you want to see. 8% of the time you're striking out, it's it's a good rate at least, uh, especially with a lot of power hitters like him. Uh, it's, it's nice to see Zimmerman coming into his own, and I think he epitomizes what I was talking about with the Mets before, that those bats are looking sharp and those players that have been up and down that are those high, those high ceiling players, you know, Bryce Harper included, who's actually playing well this year. Uh, but the fact that they're that they're firing on all cylinders now could be concerning for down the road. But we saw this with the Cubs last year where they did still get it going once you know it really mattered in October. So I mean, right now I'm very bullish on the Nationals if you couldn't tell. And I think Ryan Zimmerman is a, a, great, a great personification of their uh, their heat check. But moving over to the Billy Chappell Pitcher of the Week, Billy Chappell being the main character played by Kevin Costner and for the love of the game, that's going to be Dallas Keuchel of the Houston Astros, the runner-up of my hot team of the week. Keuchel pitched 15.2 innings and two starts this week, which... Quick math, it means he pitched eight innings in one start and seven and two thirds in another. So got deep into ball games. Nobody even well, nobody else even pitched fourteen innings in the last week. Got a win in got a win in only one of the two games that he pitched in, struck out fourteen over those fifteen point two innings. So that could be a little higher. Chris Archer had the most of the week at sixteen. But what Keichel's been able to do with that point eight Nine ER uh WIP, not ER not ERA just shows that he's getting back to what we saw a couple years ago and being able to mow down lineups. And if that stays consistent, I think those Astros teams who like the Cubs in 2015 bloomed really early. I think they could make a run at the NL or the AL West and and well they certainly will, but they could run away with it quickly. But that's my pitcher of the week. We're gonna go now to Henry Roen Gardner, rookie of the week, and that's going to be a player that uh I haven't really talked about. And I could go with the Aaron Judges, the Andy Ben Attendees, you know those guys that we've talked about a lot on this. But wanted wanted to uh, switch things up. Guy, I'm gonna talk about for this week is Trey Mancini who is a DH for the Baltimore Orioles having a really great start to his year 6 home runs 17 ribbies batting 267 a uh, product of from Notre Dame which of course you also have Jeff Samarter coming from there it's a uh, it's nice to see Notre Dame getting a little getting a little recognition on the baseball side but Mancini has uh done pretty well for himself for himself in this young season, 25 years old. So he's uh, putting together a good, good young, young career so far, at least in how, whatever percentage of the season it's been for him, like 17% for doing it just by sixths for one for each month. But um, that's my rookie of the week. The one last, or actually there's two more awards since we added the bag of Billy beans. But before we get to that, it's time for the crash Davis minor league player of the week. I like to look at, at the minor leagues and and I like to go league by league. So that this week's league we're going to take a look at is the Southern League of Double AA. Southern League is one of three different AA leagues that the baseball system has to offer. It features teams that are primarily in the in the deep south, you know, Alabamas, Mississippi's, a little bit of Tennessee, a little bit of Florida. Uh, Arkansas, I believe, is just barely in there, but it's only a 10-team league. So I believe that's how it breaks down is 10-10-10 between the East, Southern, and, and Texas leagues. So this is one of them. But as as teams like the Cubs AA affiliate, the Tennessee Smokies, Chattanooga Lookouts for the Twins, team that's in first place in the North Division is the Jackson Generals of the Diamondbacks organization, then in the South, you got teams like the Miss- Mississippi Braves, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, who are the Reds, uh, AA affiliate, a little fun uh, colored game of red and blue. You also got the Jacksonville Jumbo, Jumbo Shrimp. That's tough to say for whatever reason. But they they used to be called the Jacksonville Suns, and they've gone the way of a lot of AA teams making their names a little more fun. Um, but a lot of these teams have always had the best logos, I think, in double-A baseball. The Montgomery Biscuits being one of them. They've been a team, or at least their their name has been around for years on years. I can remember that from when I really started learning about minor league baseball and when I really started paying attention to sports. That name caught my eye. Their logo looks like a, a biscuit that's sticking its tongue out, but its tongue looks like a slab of butter. Uh and, but these teams have been, have been around. It's not like they're like the Akron rubber ducks who changed their name recently or the red and fight who changed their name recently. Those names have been around for a while. The jumbo shrimp, of course, being a more recent addition to an already colorful league, but that's uh that's the Southern league. It's uh it's, it's a pretty good league. I mean, <laughs> nothing really too much else to say comparing the three divisions. Cause they, unlike with triple a where there's only two and they compete against each other in an all-star game. These guys just have a, have uh, their own all-star games where, you know, they uh, or they have their own all-star game as double a, where they basically divide, they change up how they divide it up. Kind of like how the NHL used to. Um, but Crash Davis, Player of the Week. Crash Davis, of course, being another Kevin Costner baseball character from one of my favorite movies of all time, Bull Durham. We're going to look at three players from the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And it's if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with Colin Walsh, who's a second baseman. In this young season, he has seven homers, 18 ribbies, batting 343, But you also got two other guys that are batting – that are. Up there leading the league in batting average with Victor Reyes being the uh, leader in the clubhouse so far with a 361 batting average and Rudy Flores at 337 and one other guy on their team that's actually batting over 330, David Vidal. So or it might be David if it uh, but it's interesting to see them to see that, that they have this team that has incredible batting, but a twelve and sixteen record. But those are the those guys are uh, going to be your joint crash Davis winners with Colin Walsh taking the uh, the main cake if you will. Uh, but last set of awards that I like to give out are the jar of Billy Beans, couple fantasy value players for you. This uh, has started for the first couple weeks as a position player segment, but I, this week I want to look at pitchers. I'm going to. Uh, use these percentages on on the Yahoo percent owns. So when you hear me say that, that's where I'm getting these numbers. A couple guys that you might want to take a look at, especially with a lot of p- pitchers getting injured. So it's always important to keep that and keep an eye out for it. Andrew Triggs of the Oakland Athletics is somebody to keep an eye out for. He's starting to get owned in more and more leagues, but the, for the numbers he's putting up, it just he should have a higher ownership percentage than 71%. But he's got four wins, 27 Ks over 34 innings, an ERA of 2.34, and a whip just north of one. Those are great numbers. I think people are probably a little scared to add him, maybe because of the fact that he's so young, maybe because he plays for the athletics. But or they just don't think that these numbers are sustainable. But he certainly can be. I mean, now that we're getting into the middle of May and he's still around, it might be worth adding if you need to, you know, a spot starter, or if you're in need of a guy, you know, the back end of your pitching pitching staff on your fantasy team. Uh, I wouldn't pay too much for him if you have an auction waiver wire like I do in my league. But certainly somebody to keep an eye out for. Hansel Robles is another guy to, to look out for. The Mets. He also has four wins. He's a he's a relief pitcher, so you're gonna get more value out of him in the in the form of holds. He has five of them on the season. ERA in the in the 1.5 range. But especially with all the different the all the different uh, injuries that are going on in the Mets staff, and you're not sure what their starting pitching is gonna look like in the especially in the short term. Adding a reliever from that organization is certainly a a good idea, uh, as I, I think most of us could agree. But those are your uh, your two Billy Beans for the week. Billy Bean, of course, being the Oakland A's GM and the subject one of the subjects of the book Moneyball and the subject of the movie version. Um, but that'll, that'll do it for player awards. Now on to Philly's talk and. Uh, it's been a tough week, guys. It has been a tough week. Uh, they were Phillies were here in Chicago. I uh, missed them by a couple days, and they went one and three, which sounds about right. I said last week when I was looking forward at this week that this look this had two and five territory, and the Phils are uh, on their way to living up to that prediction. They're uh, like I said before; they actually have just taken the lead. It's two-one in the top of the fifth inning, but the Nats have a runner on third, so it could be could be a tie ball game soon. Um, and I could, but so we're either looking at a one and 6 or a 2 and 5 week, which against two of the better teams in, in baseball isn't necessarily the worst, uh, but still tough to see. It's never fun to see your favorite team lose four, lose five games in a row. Uh, like I said before, if I didn't normally talk about the Phillies. They probably would have been my coldest team of the week just because of the fact you've blown a couple leads in, in L.A. You had a rough go at it in Wrigley, and now you're not doing so well in against a, a good Washington team. I don't want to take that away from Washington. But it's certainly you, know, you want to see him pick it up, of course. But like I said, 2-1 two, two in the fifth inning, the pitching actually looks okay uh, to start. They had that 13-inning game where they did pretty well. They they unfortunately let the lead come uh, dissolve against the Cubs there and then ultimately lost in 13 innings. Pitching looks all right. Uh, batting's okay. Cesar Hernandez is continuing his great season, and he's been quoted on numerous occasions saying, I want to be the, the second baseman of the future. And if he keeps this up and still a solid – a solid uh, leadoff man for the Phillies that, I mean, he could stick around, Um, which I mean, Hey, I, I love seeing you're batting over 340 in the last seven days. Good for you. Cesar would love to see. And I talked about this a little bit with Freddie. Last week, where he's gotten, he's cooled off a little bit. His ER, or not ERA, his batting average has dropped now into the 240s. Uh, he'd gotten it up into the 260s and even in the 270s at one point, but he's cooled off. Um, not a big fan of inconsistency, especially from your shortstop, who is still a, He's a good hitter. He has four home runs on the year, which is more than you'd expect from him, but I need. I need more, more on base moments, whether it be through a hit or really grinding down a pitcher and getting some walks. But that that's you know, my thought on him. We have Tommy Joseph who ugh, still tough to, to swallow, uh, how he's been performing. They've been looking at Michael Saunders at first base, which is interesting to me. Um, but the rest, yeah, the rest of the team, Franco, Herrera, Rupp at moments when he's playing, they they really need to get more consistent, and that's why you're seeing these losses come across. Uh, it's it's that no run support, and we saw this with Cole Hamills before they traded him, and it unfortunately, if they're not going to be consistent and, and get on base, as elementary as it sounds, you're just not going to you're not going to score runs and you're not going to win. Uh, I don't care how great of a pitcher you have, you need more than three, four, four, two, two runs in your last five games. You need more of those 10-run ten, ten outings, which are rare, but you need five or six-run games where you're putting yourself in a position where it's not too crazy that a good starting pitcher and a decent middle bullpen can get you into those situations that Genmar blows it. So that's my thought for the Phillies. Uh, looking at the next week, they're home – for two days, they have the rare double-day-off week. Um, they're off Monday, off Thursday. And in between there, they're home against the Seattle Mariners. So that'll be interesting. They're actually offering a Groupon for that Tuesday night game. Uh, I'm not going to give you the details of it because Groupon does not pay me to promote them. But if you're interested, go to Groupon, um, and you can figure out what the website is. No more promotion. But <laughs> then Wednesday's a business person special, 105 start. Uh, Ikoff against Iwakuma Uh, so interesting game that's winnable especially with how Seattle's been playing Eflin Mania on the mound Zach Eflin against uh, Ariel Miranda for the (coughs) excuse me for the Mariners on Wednesday afternoon interesting game there then they're on the road in Washington they've really really had a hard time against the Nationals so it's not out of the question to to say that it that it could be another i'd say one in four, two and three week. I'd say probably two and three. I think you can probably take away two from that from the uh, from the Mariners for that sweep, but even if you split it, you you got to win one in Washington. You need to start building that confidence back up, especially since you're out, you're starting out a a decently long road trip. You're you're not going to be home again until May 22nd, so that week of Memorial Day after Wednesday. So really got to start it off right. Um, but, you know, I, I'm still optimistic for the rest of the season and absolutely optimistic for the future. You, if you're even a fraction as dialed in as I am with the Phillies and you're, you're seeing Comcast Sportsnet, talking about their minor league players, starting to put it together. Those not named J.P. Crawford, which is amazing to hear. You want J.P. Crawford to do well because, especially with the inconsistency of Galvis, he's not the shortstop of the future, and Crawford is. You know, I mean, the other guys playing well is just what you want to hear. It's great for the team. It's great for the franchise. great for the city. And that'll, that'll do it for the Phillies talk. Um, but moving on, to some stadium snacks. So I got—I actually got a fan submission for stadium snacks. He, he or she prefers to remain anonymous. This person was at Fenway Park this week uh, and had the bag of peanuts. Said it was a 10 out of 10. Also had a tasty burger in Fenway. The burger was perfectly cooked and there was a little too much bun though. Uh, They didn't serve fries with it, but it came with tots, and they were not great. That was a direct direct reading of uh, the anonymous tipster's stadium snack at Fenway. Interesting thing to try out. I've never been to Fenway before for a game. I've taken a tour, which is pretty cool. But if you do have any stadium snacks that you want to send in, please DM them to us either on Instagram like the Anonymous Tipster this week or on or on Twitter Thunderblog Sports is the Instagram as well as the Facebook page and then ThunderBLG B L G is our Twitter handle send us your your stadium snacks as well as Bleacher Creatures the next segment which are our crazy fans of the week and I've I've given the Mets a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a knocking because of this unfortunate week for them but this is a pretty cool story. A guy by the name of Tom McDonald was interviewed after he poured his deceased friend, a one Mr. Roy Regal, he poured Mr. Regal's ashes into a toilet in City Field and flushed it down the toilet. Now, as crazy as that sounds, the cool part of it is that Roy Regal used to be a janitor, for the New York Mets. And Tom McDonald was quoted in saying, I know people might think it's weird, and if it were anyone else's ashes, I'd agree. But for Roy, this is the perfect tribute to a plumber and a baseball fan and just a brilliant, wild guy. And Tom, that's certainly a wild way to to honor your friend, but it sounds like Roy really loved the Mets, and that seems like the perfect tribute to him. But like I said, if you have a bleacher creature a stadium snack or once we have Matt back on, a beer that you want us to talk about, send it over our way and we will give you a shout. Moving on, I wanted to mention uh, the Allen Iverson practice speech. This today, May 7th, being the 15th anniversary of that speech, which where the hell is the time gone? Because I remember watching that press conference, for those of you who haven't seen it, all two of you. Probably less, probably like, like none of you, hopefully. Uh, but Allen Iverson famously had a press conference where he asked the reporters, "Were they talking about practice, not a game, not a game, but practice?" I'm not going to do more impression because I can't really do Allen Iverson. But it's a great, it's great presser. Uh, don't really have any analysis of the speech, but. Alan Iverson, it's nice to see that he's doing stuff with the Sixers. He's almost their hype guy. Anytime that he's anywhere, whether it be in the you know, in a his sweet box at the, at a Sixers game, or if he's at a public Sixers event, as soon as as soon as you see he's there, the place gets electric. Whether it's a PA announcer yelling, From Georgetown and then the rest of the introduction. I'm not gonna throw out my voice for you guys. I apologize. Or just him being there and, and waving and uh, or <laughs> when we uh <laughs> were at the Sixers draft party last year and he's on TV on ESPN with Kevin Nagandi. We're all chanting MVP, he tells us to shut the fuck up so they can start the segment but then get then get real loud and chanting it again twenty seconds into it. AI just just brings that, that fun attitude that he brought as as a player, and he brings it back, and it, it gives us that that uh, reminder of the early 2000s teams and makes those events a ton of fun. And the Sixers are still going to be a ton of fun once, once uh, they're all healthy in the start of next year. And I'm excited to see Ben Simmons, but AI, man, and that practice speech. 15 years, but moving on. We uh, got a little bit of time so I wanted to talk to you guys about the playoffs NHL and NBA will start in the NBA. They're, uh, the NBA just needs to move up, move on to the next round I think but it's because um, it's really there's only a couple interesting series that Spurs Rockets and Celtics Wizards, both of which play today are the interesting ones out there um cleveland's about to wrap this thing up and golden state actually was a little intriguing against utah the other night but i mean really just let's get to the eastern conference finals um that aside from the, or at least fast forward the cleveland and, and golden state series and just make it celtics wizards and spurs rockets alternating <laughs> nights and the winner gets their respective uh Defending conference champion in the next <laughs> round. <laughs> um, that, that that Celtics-Wizards series, that Game 3 the other night, got wild, if you haven't seen it, with the whole Battle of the Kellys and, and all that all that stuff. Um, but it's, it's going to be an interesting run to see who comes out of either of those series. Matt and I talked a little bit about it the other night, of that Wizards team and Matt not fully believing it in... Them. Nor did he believe in Isaiah Thomas, and they must have been listening while they were playing basketball. Because Isaiah Thomas went off, and the Wizards went off on the other night. But yeah, I mean, it, it's once these series ends, it's I mean, it's still going to be tough to see them match up with Cleveland. The Celtics have the better shot, in my mind. Uh, that Spurs-Rockets series has been. A few blowouts, um, and I, don't, I just want to get to the next round. <laughs> but over in the NHL, uh, that's where things are really starting to get hot. Those the second round starting to to get into the late stages. As we have two game sixes today, one more tomorrow, and then uh, a few games uh, in the middle of the week, if they if necessary, of course. But Blues predators are on right now. It's tied tie hockey game at one one, um, and it and that series has actually been really really interesting. It's it's cool to see the preds up three two and uh, you know a game away from the Western Conference Finals, and they're they're looking sharp. That other series the the. Uh, the Oilers and Ducks is like Greg and I talked about before is is getting really really interesting, high scoring. It's just really unfortunate to see the Ducks blow that lead the other night, or not the Ducks. The, the Ducks come back from the 3 three zero deficit, and the Oilers blowing the lead. Um, the game six is in Edmonton, but I mean going back to Anaheim for game seven. Getting the first taste of game seven at least if. If uh, the, the Blues and Preds, if the Preds can close them out, then we won't, but get finally getting some Game 7s in what have been much, much better series than the first round, which were good in everything, but these are getting deeper. The East is looking just as great with the Senators actually taking, taking the lead again. I thought once the Rangers came back that Hank was just going to take it over and, and lock it up, but sends her a game away from the Eastern Conference Finals, which to me is astounding. They uh, had that double overtime win against New York yesterday, and it's going back to New York, so you got to think that the Rangers push it to seven. But the fact that that even went beyond a game five in my mind is, uh, is really intriguing to me. Uh, but the series that we've all wanted to see and we've all loved talking about, the... Penguins and Capitals is still here. The Penguins could not close it out yesterday, which, good for the Caps. They got down twice, 1-0, uh, and then 2-1, one, one, ended up winning 4-2. And the Penguins looked great, and that Capitals team had to step up, and they did. And I don't know if they come all the way back from 3-1, but it's, it's becoming interesting, thankfully, that... That it's getting more interesting than the, the 3-1 lead would have would have given given us. If the Penguins had closed him out yesterday, it would have been a really, really shitty way for that awesome capital series to end. Even if the Caps push it to a Game 7, I think the Penguins probably will win it. Uh, I hate saying it because the Caps are still, still pretty much at full strength, and especially with Crosby being—he's still there. He did play great yesterday, but Crosby— not being 100%, I'll say. Um, it'll just be interesting to see that, that Eastern Conference final. And it's presumably Pittsburgh and maybe maybe the Rangers, maybe the Senators. But East. Uh, I'm not sure of whom, whoever comes out of the East. I'm really, really doubting them. They're shot at a cup. I think the cup winner is – Coming out of that Ducks Oilers series, at least right now, so maybe the Ducks, maybe the Oilers, uh, which would be nuts if Edmonton won it. But the Predators also got a good shot. Uh, but I think the whoever wins the West has a much better shot at winning it all than the winner of the East, in my mind. But but um, let's uh, move on. Look a little bit, little bit into the golf world. We got the Wells Fargo Championship, which is a, a tune-up basically for the Players Championship, which is next weekend, which is the, the unofficial fifth major for those of you not too much in the know of the golf world. Um, but the big news of this of this tournament was Dustin Johnson's return and incredible weekend. He is a shot off the lead through 16 holes. John Rahm the other hot, hottest golfer in the PGA Tour, is in the lead right now through 12. So he's got plenty of time to take over and and or to maintain the lead, as does either Brian Harmon or Patrick Reed. Both of them have had a piece of the action. Uh, Patty Perez was up there, and he, he's fallen off a bit. He's still two shots back, but he's running out of time as he's on the 16th hole right now. But it's nice to see DJ back, and it's nice to see he didn't really miss a beat uh, there's a ton of different conspiracy theories out there of what the back injury was. So I'll let you find those out for yourself, but wanted to touch on the PGA tour quickly. Cause sometimes we, we forget to do that with our other podcasts outside of the baseball one, but that um, that's pretty much going to wrap things up here. I'm going to look at next week quickly um, here in the baseball world, but, Let's uh, take a look. The one that, that you want to hear about and the pitching matchup is great, and it's on ESPN, so even better, is Matt Moore and Jacob deGrom in that that uh, Giants-Mets series. Both teams doing pretty well right now uh, com- coming into the week. Another one, though, that I think you really should keep an eye out for is the – series between between excuse me still battling allergies guys (laughs) Um, but it's the series between the Cubs and the Rockies the Cubs getting their their taste of that uh Coors Field magic which they might which they need (laughs) they're in first place but they're not as far ahead as you might think they would be given uh their talent and the Rockies are still up there in terms of the, the NL West. So that's going to be the weekday series that I think you should look out for. But definitely go take a look at that Mets-Giants game tomorrow night. Uh, and over the weekend, a lot of great baseball. And if you had an, an opportunity to go out, if your mom's a baseball fan, Mother's Day is always a, always has fun promotions. Uh, but the weekend series I, I think you guys should keep an eye out for is the Cubs and the Cardinals. Didn't Don't really like picking. The, uh, the same team for both, but probably the best series out there. Two arch rivals that are always fun to watch. is the National League's, Yankees, Red Sox. Uh, but that's in St. Louis. Should be a fun time. And that that's going to do it for me this week. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this solo pod. Matt and I should be back together next weekend, either before or after Mother's Day. We may or may not. Get together in the middle of the week, cover some things. Don't want to promise anything because we don't have it as set in stone. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please go like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. DM us any stadium snacks or bleacher creatures that you have. ThunderBLG is the Twitter handle. ThunderBlogSports is the Instagram. And until we talk again, this has been Jordy Cannell with the bullpen cart. Have a great week, everybody.